0: Hello, and welcome to Say Hi to the Future, a podcast aimed at highlighting the human side of human ingenuity, clever, inventive, and original thinking. My name is Ken Tenser, curator of Say Hi to the Future and CEO of SpiderWorks, a leading business consultancy for mid-market organizations and entrepreneurs globally. With me today is Amy Wu, an award-winning writer for the women's ag and ag tech movement. She is an entrepreneur and storyteller Bridging the action in the field with the digital advances in the office and laboratory. Amy is also the founder and creator of From Farms to Incubators, a multimedia platform that uses documentary, video, photography, and the written word to tell the stories of women leaders and innovators in ag tech. Like this video if you enjoy our show and subscribe to our channel. Leave us a comment with who we should interview next. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. Amy, welcome to Say Hi to the Future.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me, Ken.
0: Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. And, you know, I know we're here to speak, you know, about from farms to incubators. But before we get there, you know, there's something in your bio I was reading about, and it really intrigued me. And, Amy, I'm not a couch potato by any means, but apparently you've completed a 28.6 mile Manhattan Island Marathon swim. How does that even happen?
1: Well, I ask myself that sometimes, how does that happen? But I've always been a passionate fitness swimmer and I got into open water swimming a bit by serendipity, just friends who invited me and said, hey, do you want to try out swimming in the Hudson? Started out with one mile and built my way up. And a little bit more than a decade ago, I and um, you know a, a small group of people finished this around the Manhattan Relay Swim in about nine and a half hours. Um, I do get a lot of questions about what motivates me to do this or what the Hudson is like. And I would say that I love the thrill and the adventure of swimming in the open water. No single swim is the same. And you get to see a city from a different vantage point, which is beautiful, New York. Um, and also the Hudson is actually really beautiful. Um, and uh, it had a little bit of, from my memory, a bit of a nutty taste of <laughs> the water. But other than that, I think it was really a lovely, lovely swim. And maybe someday I'll do it again.
0: There you go. Well, you read my mind, too. I mean, I, I don't even know how many times I've been to New York, but I never imagined being in the Hudson for more than about 10 seconds at a time. So uh, now I know what it tastes like. So thank you for that. And, you know, I, I love the story because, in, as, as you said, it's about it comes from a place of passion and really that's what the show is about passion and curiosity. And you've, you've created something pretty remarkable and from farms to incubators. So can you tell us a little bit about it and we'll, we'll chat about that journey uh, for a while now?
1: Yeah. So that journey is um, happened out of serendipity and I'll explain a little bit out of that. I am a professional journalist by training i've always had a passion for for writing ever since i started writing the letter to the editor when i was in eighth grade (laughs) i was motivated by a class assignment uh, to write about a topic of your passion and it was earth day in eighth grade and i wrote about it and it got published in the local newspaper and at a young age i discovered that wow um my voice and my opinion really can get out there, you know, uh, in this medium of quote, unquote, now I call it storytelling. But also, I also realized that, geez, I think I thought I could be a letter to a letter to the editor writer for a living <laughs> for a long time. Okay. And then I just got, you know, I was told by teachers, no, but you could be a journalist. So I have this passion and curiosity for telling other people's stories. And increasingly, the second layer of that is telling stories that are untold an undertold, I like to say, that it happened over the course of my career. Um, so From Farms to Incubator started when I was in 2016, got, I received a phone call from an editor who said, "Go, do you wanna go to the Salinas Valley in California to write about local government and agriculture? And I am from the East Coast and I've lived in California before, but I had never been to the Salinas Valley except that I knew it was Steinbeck Country. And I, when I arrived there, every, every corner I turned on the road, I would almost drive into a lettuce field. It was thousands upon thousands of acres of leafy greens. And I would see silhouettes of, of field workers working in them and being a, an avid consumer and somebody who almost goes to the grocery store market daily because I just love it. I was like, oh, wow. The connection of how the food is grown who's growing it to how it ends up in my plate rang this rang a bell at the same time in 2016 the second layer was that the local government there started to talk about growing the ag tech sector and ken i was almost like what is ag tech sector it sounded like something from star wars you know (laughs) so I, i i soon learned that um it's an extension of of traditional agriculture, it is any innovation that helps farmers grow smarter, more efficiently, help them save money, help them tackle a lot of the threats under climate change, water shortage, land shortage, soil depletion. And they wanted to grow the sector because young people were moving out of the city because they did not, could not find jobs. Every job was basically like field work and their parents were like, get out of here and go get like a real job. That was the second layer. The third layer is that I noticed there were not a lot of women, and especially women who look like me at the decision-making table, especially when it came to ad related meetings and conferences. The fourth part of serendipity was that at the end of 2016, a good friend of mine who was a journalist said, I see that there's a call out for stories about minority women business owners by the International Center for Journalists. I think this is up your alley. You should put your hat in the ring. So I did. I said, let me do a short documentary and a series of stories about minority women, entrepreneurs in ag tech. And then I got a call saying, congratulations. We look forward to seeing your stories in your documentary in a couple of months. And I was like, wow, this is exciting. Except for I didn't have any women.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's so
1: that's I great. I had an intuition that there must be a woman founder in this growing space called AgTech. So thus started the search for three or four women in that space in the next few months. I would go to conferences in Silicon Valley with the videographer that I hired. I would walk up to any woman and the videographer and I would walk up to any woman and just say, hi, my name is Amy Wu. And they would be like, I don't know you. <laughs> and I would be like... Well, I'm looking to interview my, a woman entrepreneur in ag tech, and after a lot of persistence, asking this repeatedly, I finally found three or four women. The documentary first screened in 2017. It's been screened at over 300 places now. I did not expect it would screen at 300 places. The first time it screened was at uh, the Western Grower Center for Innovation and Technology, one of the biggest farming organizations in California. And there was a silence, the growers, the policymakers, everybody was quiet after this. And I thought it must be a terrible documentary. And I was almost thinking, what should I say? (laughs) But (laughs) then hands started to go up and people started to say, I didn't know that there was this next generation of women creating innovations for farmers. And I had invited all of the women in the documentary to come with me and they were sitting up there and they looked at each other and they said, I didn't know that she existed and she existed. Can you connect us? So I, you know, I I said, geez, the film is a vehicle for discussion, an important discussion about what is the role of women in agriculture? Why aren't their contributions and voices further being heard? What are their contributions in this fast growing space of ag tech? And especially why is ag tech important? You know, especially as farmers struggle to feed what will be 10 billion of us by 2050. So that really started from farms to incubators. And I, um, I'm often asked them what happened after the documentary? Why did I continue with the story? Usually a journalist just kind of goes from one story to the next. I mean, mission accomplished. But I got more and more phone calls and emails from people who were like, you really need to talk to this woman. She's got an amazing story. She launched an ag tech company and it wasn't just in California, it was in the Midwest. It was in New York, it was in Brazil, it was in China, it was in Africa, it was like all over. Right. And in 2018, I said, there are so many inspiring stories that I wanna document them and collect them in some way. And why do I say document? It's Because I'm a history major as well. And I strongly believe that if their voices were not told, nobody would tell their stories. And I secondly believe that why is it important to tell the story of women innovators in ag tech? It's because I'm hoping to inspire a new generation of young people and youth and women, especially to consider that there are a lot of opportunities in agriculture, uh, not just tractors and overalls. It's not just tractors and overalls. Right. <laughs> everything from right. the field to the lab, to investment, to innovation. Yeah. So just briefly to, to, to fast forward, what is from Farms to Incubators Now today? It is a hub and a community that provides resources and storytelling to bring women who are either in ag tech together or those who are interested in entering the field to connect or investors and farmers and policymakers and educators who want to connect with women in right. this area.
0: Well, you know, th- thank you for that, Amy. That's a, an incredible overview. And there's so many things to, to talk about there. And I, I, wa- I want to go back almost to, to the beginning where you started about your first letter to the editor in grade eight. Um, I, I have three kids and we'll see if they listen to the podcast. <laughs> um, all in their 20s, two girls and, and, and a boy happily as a middle child. And and my oldest is in choreography and dance, and, and is very an outspoken advocate for, say, women's rights in dance and women's treatment in dance. And my youngest is actually working through a master's and wants to go for a PhD around human rights. And was at the, um, um in the Hague at the criminal court for uh, for one of her semesters. And I I think that one of your messages. Um, I think well to all people, but I, I think in particularly, I, I guess to the to, to women, as you're telling it, is you have a voice. You have a very strong voice. Um, everybody has a voice, and everybody has something important to say. And there's an opportunity to to say that and have it communicated and heard today. And and I, you know, how, how did you like from grade eight till now? You must have found a lot of challenges. But then also a lot of really great moments of, yeah, I I really do have a voice and I really can empower people.
1: Yeah, I think, um, Ken, you're very astute because that is the real message of From Farms to Incubators. Um, AgTech is a platform, actually, for that. It's a vehicle. And I strongly have a passion for agriculture. And I also have become a backyard gardener and am very interested in growing myself, um, but I also t- the big picture of it is really to inspire uh, folks to realize that the, everybody does have a voice and a story. And if you have a passion and a dream, um, you can go you can go past what we call the glass ceiling or the grass ceiling in agriculture. Right. <laughs> and you can climb Everest. If you for agriculture is a great platform for that because traditionally, um, it has been very male dominated, the farms have been passed from men, you know, men to their boys and so forth, still male dominated. But what I'm what the story here is that there is are new opportunities in to enter this, if even if you don't come from a family of fam- farming, even if you don't come up from a background of agriculture, which I don't, if you have a passion and you have an idea and you have something to contribute, you are certainly able to do so. And you don't have to be necessarily um, interested in the career in farming to get the stories in from farms to incubators. Right, it could be applied to almost every sector. Everybody has their own dream and something that they believe in. And I think it is very applicable. And the stories of these women are very inspirational. I think across the board, some of them moving across the country, Um, you know, going past cultural norms and traditions and to different areas of entrepreneurship and, you know, also in farming when they come from cultures where people didn't do that, don't do that. I mean, being Asian American, you're still expected to go into the traditional routes of (laughs) being a doctor or an engineer. And it's unusual for even when I started to be a journalist, a woman to be in journalism as an Asian American when I first started. So, um, That's very much so the case. And I see that, you know, in a lot of the talks that I'm doing now, I target colleges and universities and high schools. And in the recent tour that I did in California, I purposely chose to talk to classes at the colleges and universities because the message, again, is two messages. One is you don't have to be a farmer or in farming to go into this. There are a lot of skills that are needed for ag tech that go beyond traditional agriculture a lot of them are in science, technology, engineering, and math. And there was a light bulb moment that went on for some of these young people like, oh, you mean there's a connection between STEM and, and agriculture? It's like, yes, you don't all have to go to Silicon Valley. <laughs> so there, there, there are a lot of light bulb moments in that. And also other um, folks who are just like, I'm looking, I have my own dream of doing this and this and this. I don't want to go into agriculture, but I read the stories and I'm inspired by them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and when you talk about that and you talk about STEM and you talk about ag tech and and the future of farming, one of the things I didn't really know, to be quite honest, until I started prepping to to talk to you, I mean, I think it's about, what is it, 1% or so of the labor force now in in farming? And, And as you said, we'll have nearly 10 billion people on the planet. I mean, of all the industries that we'll need, STEM-driven thinking, tech-driven thinking, um, this seems to be it.
1: It it is. Um, It is very much so. And it's not just that I believe in this myself. I mean, it's reality. The amount of um, investment and research and interest in agri-food tech has grown tremendously because it begins with we all eat, and some of us love to eat. the reality also is that the population internationally is is growing and where is the food going to come from who's growing it especially since the amount of uh farmable land with the soil depletion is just the farmable land has decreased um here in New York where i'm based it's become wetter and wetter every season and in the west in california it's become more and more dry with the droughts and the wildfires so what are some of the new innovations and ways that are going to help farmers grow smarter, but also just like, how do we, how can we do that within metropolises within cities? I mean, it also extends to um, aquaponics and vertical farming, you know, which has been going on for years as well. And um, it's not just what's being grown. It's the whole process. It's literally developing seeds maybe that are more farmer friendly, like not when I say farmer friendly, it's not a seed that smiles at the farmer, (laughs) but rather a seed that might be more um, disease resistant, need less water, all the way to tracking the food on the shelf. Um, I get really excited when I talk about blockchain because I used to think blockchain was just the cryptocurrency until you realize that a lot of the big retailers like Costco and Walmart and so forth um, have been using blockchain to track the food, all of the food they have from the field to the shelf, when it comes to the safety. So, if you've got a bag of lettuce that's gotten a lot of people sick, you can track it down to the field and to the row.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I mean that. Th- those are those are great insights, and and I love hearing about the future of it. And I love about. The, I love the notion of the application of blockchain, and I also though, what really. I don't know if the the phrase is moves me or touches me. Is that we're applying technology to something um, important for everybody—food, <laughs> food safety, our health and wellness. The the other thing is we're we're applying this technology to something that it's truly an emotional product. I mean, even when you described it at the beginning, going to a field. I mean, and and seeing. I, whether it's corn or grain or, 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 or whatever it is that's being farmed or, or somebody going to their backyard to a little patch of tomatoes. There's there such an emotional attachment to food and to what it means to us. that I, I think there's just an incredible extra layer in the story, if you will.
1: Yeah, uh, there is that personal connection to food. I mean, we all have our favorite foods. We all have food is also attached to um, our culture, our history. You know, we all have memories of what are our favorite foods growing up, maybe that our parents had, or it connects with a, our favorite holiday or a certain memories. So, but seeing it, um, you know, in the beginning stages of it is kind of extraordinary because it's like, you know, going, growing up, I grew up in the suburbs and just north of the city, and I, never had visited a farm until I was probably in my 20s. But growing up, I really thought that the food grew out of the shelves of the supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> so the aha and wow moment you know, came later in life. But that opportunity now extends to younger people in kindergarten through 12th grade, I think, because I'm seeing a lot more schools, primary schools, secondary schools that have their own farms and they are using that as part of their curriculum to teach kids, okay, this is the science of it or how it's grown or, but this is also like you're growing your own food and later in the cafeteria, you're eating it. Hmm. So to make those connections, I think are, are really important especially at the younger age also. Um, and I do think it extends all the way to people who find discover that later on, Though there is very much that emotional component, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it, it is wonderful. And again, it's one, it's one of the reasons we talk about passion and, and curiosity as part of, you know, say hi to the future core values, because I I think you know I've been an entrepreneur 27 out of my 35 years. And there are businesses that I've had where I've had an emotional attachment like this one and everything that I'm doing today. And those where I have it. And, And I think that I think it just changes your whole outlook. It changes your daily outlook and who you are and and, and how you act and react to the world around you, to be honest. And that's that's one of the wonderful things I think about the topic of food and farming and the number of people that it truly can touch.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely wide reaching. And in terms of the use of innovation in agriculture, um, I'm noticing definitely that it's way beyond the US. I mean, there are certain countries that are adopting it even faster. Um, I mean I can name a couple like such as Singapore a tiny country but they right. really they've really incorporated it into the way that they also produce their food um, and every country and every culture is different the speed that they're going to adopt it or how it's going to be applied you know culturally I think yeah. but I think ultimately the 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 bottom line <laughs> is that everybody eats and um, everybody can get that part of that that why it's mm-hmm. important and also climate change Um, being very noticeable now I I remember those conversations going on ever for decades global warming and all this but now it's actually very visible and I've seen it up close and personal also where farmers are having a hard time finding workforce and labor to to plant and to harvest and because a lot of the field workers are in their 60s and 70s and you know understandably their children don't don't want to go into that. So what does that mean is you've got an orphaned field of of fruit and vegetables that are rotting. (laughs) So there's a lot of challenges in the food system, you know, including food waste, how to connect farmers with the community, because there are a lot of people who uh, communities that say, I want to eat healthier, you know, I want to eat better, I want better, more access to locally grown food. So there's an opportunity to design that bridge also between farmers and the community. So just a lot of that. And since the pen, I think the pandemic has really put food and farming on the forefront. It has never been known as a sexy sector, which is part of the reason why investors traditionally shy away from agriculture because it's slow moving. You know, it's like once a season, you get that window <laughs> to test something and then it's right. like, until next year again. Um, but I also think that that has changed tremendously because like during the pandemic, all of us to some extent have seen how um, important the food food is and sometimes how challenging it can be to access it during times of crisis as well. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think, I mean, you're on a topic that obviously you've had incredible reach. You, You talked about the first time you screened your documentary, but it's gone on to incredible success in, in terms of awards, recognition, your, your book, your platform. I think it's screened at South by Southwest and then the UN Film Festival, which to me is an incredible accomplishment because it just shows, you know, how important a topic this is. So just tell us a little bit more about those experiences and the reach and, and the involvement, because I also believe, you know, in, in looking through some of the quotes in your book, it's it's starting to have impact on on policy and on, on the way governments are actually thinking and acting.
1: Yeah, when I first started the project, it was I was total almost completely driven to it as the story as an unheard story. I um, realize now that there are some common threads with the stories that I've done over the years, and one of them is the underheard voice. Um, I my thesis in journalism school was actually to write about garment factory workers in New York city. And I had gone undercover <laughs> as hmm. speaking Chinese as a garment factory worker. So telling the stories from another perspective, but to get to the part about then uh, beyond, okay, the, the movie. Okay, so focused on the documentary specifically is that I s- saw that film and video were critical are very critical ways to attract a greater audience. Um, I come from a writing background print But the reason why I propose this, and it's my first film, by the way, so those of you out there, don't be afraid to try new things, (laughs) because I have certainly tried new things with this book and this film that are both my first, but I, I wanted to reach a greater audience, and it's a short documentary of 25 minutes and 30 minutes, and what I've discovered is that it is now serving as an educational tool to spark discussion in classrooms, but also... You're right, in terms of policy um, at, on the local, regional and uh, national level, it's like it also is used sometimes to spark discussion among policymakers too, I would say. Um, the need for, to cultivate a new generation of, of, of women, of youth, uh, the importance of that when it comes to workforce, um, what's needed to do that, mentorship, uh, curriculum, and also the part about the the book, the book is also used as a vehicle, I think in the same way. So I am very happy that they're being used as that. Um, that really makes me feel like this, uh, this project has grown its own legs and it is more than just a story. It's a movement, it's an initiative. Um, this is why I continue to climb in the book i often said that a lot of women were climbing everest i repeatedly alluded to these women are climbing everest and i see a lot of the parallels of climbing everest from with their journey and my journey i also had challenges getting support on this project whether it be the film the book whether it be just the entire initiative i've had folks in the beginning ask me well ask me Why would people read about this or care about just women in ag tech? Isn't that such a small sector? Seems really niche. Um, It does seem really niche when you first hear about it. You're like ag tech. Wow. That's like really tiny, but it's a greater, it's a bigger story to inspire people to go over after their passions for people who have traditionally not been in a certain sector to say, I can also be in that sector. I can go beyond. And in agriculture to go beyond the grass ceiling as I've said repeatedly too. So I think that the bigger, it's a bigger story. It's definitely not just about ag tech and about women. Certainly. Yeah.
0: How do we then, how do we open the door? I mean, as I said, two, two of my children are, are female and they're in their twenties. And how do we continue to open the door? Um, How do we break that ceiling for the next generation? Because I, I, unfortunately, I think in a lot of ways, it still exists in, in so many industries, and um, it unfortunately exists. So, so what, what would you say to, 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 to people, to society? Like, the, how do we break this down finally?
1: Well, I, I think it's a huge, um, it's a big monster to break, but if you break it apart piece by piece, uh, there's a few areas that I think that are immediately Uh, doable. Um, Number one is the film and the book introduce women and say, here are women in ag tech who are innovators. The second phase of this is now, okay, the objective is more women should be at the table. More women should be in ag tech and should be at the decision-making level. So how do we do that? There's resources and tools that are needed. So under the big picture of resources and tools, Uh, From Farms to Incubators, that's me and also I I love collaborating with other women with the same passion or other people um, with the same passion is to create the tools and the resources that are needed for young women to be introduced. If I'm a young woman in college, even younger, and I say, oh, wow, I watched this movie. I'm really interested in maybe exploring careers in this. What do I do? So a couple of things is I would give a a few pieces of advice and then I'm going to turn to resources. I would say, don't be afraid of asking questions. Ask questions. There is no dumb question. Um, Teachers uh, and, you know, within that, hopefully some mentors just go up to them and say, I am interested in this topic. Use me as a resource because a lot of the women that I've connected with are in the book have all told me, I'm really hungry to give back to the next generation. I want to be a mentor. I want to be a speaker. How do I do that? So I see myself a bit as the as, an, as a plug, meaning I'm connecting folks who are interested in it with those who want to be speakers and mentors. I would say also that here in the U.S., we do have 4-H clubs and farming clubs. The good news, Ken, is that it's no longer just tractors and overalls. <laughs> they are <laughs> extending... The curriculum and the events to stem to innovation to entrepreneurship so if you're a young person these days interested in ag tech the good news is that it's really advancing it's moved beyond just the traditional curriculum um, i would also say that the good news is that colleges and universities have seen this now as an opportunity and they are incorporating um, agriculture and technology into their programs and their curriculum, some of them are might be launching majors in this. Mm
0: -hmm. So then
1: you would have a suite of classes and say, geez, I I need to take all these classes to potentially get a job in X, Y, and Z. There might be career portals and workforce portals just for that as well. Um, I would also say, get to be friendly with your local um, farmer. Um, In many communities now, we have farmers markets, and they've become more popular since the pandemic. Um, Don't be shy about walking up to the person who is selling you that head of lettuce or the apple and say, hey, I'm I'm a customer. I'm really interested. I love your apples. I'm really interested in how you got into farming. Ask the open-ended question. I find that the two pieces of advice that I especially give young people is network and ask open-ended questions. And I think that could really lead to a lot of who knows, who knows, maybe opportunities, you know, and just be curious and explore. Um, I would also say that the last piece of advice I would give is that there are organizations, associations out there I noted from Farms to Incubators, our website now has a searchable uh, directory of women in ag tech. It's free. There are 600 names on it. Um, There There's organizations such as the Women in Agribusiness, the women, Women in Food, and all of them, if you join the local chapter or you join a student, you're a student member, there's a lot of chances to connect with other women. And they may not immediately be ag tech women. They might be farmers. They might work in food processing. But- ask your open-ended question. Everybody has a story and they're happy to share it with you.
0: Well, thank you for that. And Amy Wu, thank you so much. Um, you're the founder of, from Farms Incubators. It's been a wonderful discussion, not just about agriculture and, and ag tech and women in agriculture, but just uh, sort of a look forward and a look forward for youth and the things that we need to do. And so thank you for being on the show. And Mostly I'd like to thank you for writing that letter to the editor when you were uh, in grade 8 because that seems to have shaped your life and shaped a lot of our lives now in such a positive way.
1: Well, thank you Ken for having me and yes, I would say that it all be for me it all began with the letter to the editor and I still keep in touch with my favorite English teacher who started that. So and she often goes, I don't know what I started, but it was a po- it's a positive thing. So thank you very much. <laughs> you
0: know, have a voice, Amy, and use it. That's what we all need to do. Thank you again.
1: Take care.